0: You know, if you don't know, now you know, photographer. Anyways, today I'm going to talk about something that's, you know, related to technology of the ancients. And I believe it's very fascinating because I kind of went down the rabbit hole and I started reading um, quite a bit of uh, information. And this is just in the hypotheses. And this is just... um, This is just a little bit of philosophy, a little bit of hypotheses, and a little bit of an opinion. And this is what I believe that uh, could very well possibly be. And this is just um, stemmed from a creative way of uh, a little bit of whiskey and Coke on the rocks. A joint. And it it came to me in a creative way, and I started researching, and then I fell down the rabbit hole. So I'm going to start off today with the most precious thing on this planet, and it's the atmosphere. The atmosphere consists of five major and several secondary layers, from the lowest to the highest. The major layers are the troposphere, which is basically where our weather is, and our stratosphere, where the holes are, and the mesosphere, and the thermosphere, and the exosphere. And that all makes up our atmosphere. And I was thinking, I was like, geez, I wonder, I wonder like if this atmosphere was created to harvest human life, like not to harvest, you know, to eat us or anything, but to make it so humans can live here, you know, and then I started looking at, you know, the gap of the the Neanderthals and then I started to considering, oh, you know, humans just kind of evolved kind of. So I was like, what's going on here? And then I started researching some things that were kind of a little bit out of context. But I started researching the troposphere, and that's where the weather is. And then I started researching what does the atmosphere consist of? And the stratosphere, sorry. What does the stratosphere consist of? And since the stratosphere is an atmospheric layer composed of stratified temperature layers, with the warm layers of air and high in the sky and cool layers of air and low in the sky, close to planetary surface of the earth. You know, the atmosphere is everything. There's, you know, there's holes everywhere in our atmosphere, um, but there's some pretty big ones that are, lead, could possibly lead to some serious devastation in the, war, in the future, the far future. But it's, it's responsible for climate, climate change. And climate change is a very popular subject in today's world. So that's the definition of a stratosphere. And then what does the stratosphere consist of? I was trying to see if the stratosphere consisted of gold. Because I, I don't know, something came to me and I was like, I wonder if there's a way to turn gold into um, basically kind of like an alchemy type concept and then it led to a bigger concept but i wonder if there's a way to turn gold into an atmospheric condition where replenishes or puts a band-aid or creates an atmosphere out of its own and is gold kind of like that god particle that you know is is something that is you know there you know because i was researching i was like you know, what, what, what consists of gold and, you know, how does gold uh, react to certain chemicals? And, you know, because I was talking with my fiance and she said that when there's an earthquake and um, when the earthquake happens, gold sometimes simultaneously appears within milliseconds of, of the earthquake happening. And it's due to water pressure and everything touching the 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 hot temperatures and all of a sudden gold veins are mined that's why they say you can pretty much find gold in rivers and lakes because at one point the atmosphere cracked um, different temperatures and pressures of water hit and there could be some part of gold in that lake or or seabed or whatever wherever the crack is um there's a possibility of being gold there it's actually high but the amount of gold is is what is different because when that water hits it could have gold like gold hits it it turns into gold and then when it turns to gold it's 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 solidified and it happens instantaneously in seconds when after earthquakes and stuff So that's pretty much how gold is for him. And that's what she said. And I was like, Oh, that's kind of interesting. And then I kind of started falling down the rabbit hole. The rabbit hole appeared, the rabbit grabbed me. And then I, I, I fell. So I was like, Oh my God, like gold can be instantaneously created. And then led me, I was like, Oh my God. So what is the most reactive element to gold? You know? And then I was like, Oh, this is interesting. It, uh, was mercury, I, and mercury is kind of one of those things where if you add gold to mercury, it forms a different type of chemical, and that chemical—part um, of me, if I mispronounce this—but it's it's almagame. And mercury and gold settle and combine together to form almagam. Gold is then extracted by vaporizing the mercury. Although mercury is naturally occurring element, it is highly toxic to humans, animals and the environment when handled when not handled properly. you know And does' gold and, and uh, mercury um, cohabitate like is, is mercury bad for gold? And uh, small-scale gold mining, um, it's vital source of, of of income for a lot of people on this planet, and uh, it's dangerous to miners because they use toxic mercury to separate the gold from the ore. Mercury is a shiny liquid metal that attracts um, attacks the nervous system of humans any mammal at that. And in higher doses, mercury can kill. Its uh, largest use globally is a small kill uh, small scale gold mine. So gold um, mercury is kind of. What you put um to basically find gold and get just the gold out of the out of the ore and and it's kind of how you get the purest form of the gold um, because you know gold's kind of in the crust and then the mercury kind of eats the crust and then you get the purest form of gold from adding mercury to the sediment like the ore and the rock and stuff and then um, i started researching neutrinos because I don't know. I'm I, I'm a nerd. And neutrinos are very fascinating because no one really knows what they do. They pass through matter. They pass through everything. Um, there's very few things that actually interact with neutrinos. And um, still, it's under high research to this day. And I was like, oh, there's something about um, mercury and gold and then... The formation of neutrinos and possibly solidifying our, our atmosphere to make it so our atmosphere is replenished. Then I started thinking, hmm, that's interesting. What about the pyramids? Okay. Because the pyramids were fascinating things. Like they're all over the world. It's not just in Egypt. And then I started thinking, um, what if the, the pyramids were like alchemy chambers? And I was like, holy crap, that's exactly what they are. I looked at a picture of a pyramid, the inside of a pyramid, and there's always, in every pyramid, there's this hole that they don't know where it goes to, where it leads to. It's just this dense hole. It's dark black. And then it's almost like it's a pressurized alchemy chamber. And then I'll get to that topic in a minute. But then I started thinking, okay, you know, is there something to do with neutrinos and gold and mercury and, you know, something to do with um, it replenishing our, our um, atmosphere? And then I started thinking, okay, so if, if mercury and gold, you know, interact and that's how you get the purest form of gold, what does iodine, um, how does it react with gold? Well, it says reaction with gold with halogens. And does iodine react with gold? Reaction of gold with halogens. On the other hand, gold metals react with iodine to form a monohalid gold. Chloride, all solutions of chlorine, CI2, and it says the I don't know how to pronounce that, chloride, is um, it dissolves gold. So iodine and gold is dissolved. So I started thinking, well, what if there was a massive iodine structure above the gold and it basically turns the gold. It starts dissolving the gold. And what happens after the gold dissolves? I'm pretty sure there's some, there's something to do with the, the, the dissolving of gold from iodine. Um, it's dependent on, uh, like the gold, Dissolution rate of iodine and iodide mixtures depended upon the concentration of the iodide. Iodine and solution pH, an optimistic uh, optimum iodine-iodide mole ratio is 0.35 to 0.4, was found in 0.mk1 solutions with pH ranging from 2.7 to 11.5. These are capable of dissolving gold at a maximum rate of 14 mg centimeters squared h. So that's a bunch of mathematical equations and what you need to do to dissolve gold. Then I started thinking, oh, my God, like, what if they use the pyramids? OK, I started like, where, where are these pyramids built? Like, where is iodine? Where Where can we find iodine in the world? And then the biggest iodine producer deposits to this day are actually located in Chile. Chile is the world's largest iodine producer, with which is an estimated producer of a volume of two hundred metric tons of iodine. Okay, so I was like, "Oh my god, that's insane!" So I started saying, "Is there pyramids around Chile?" And yes, there is pyramids around Chile. Actually, they're the most, they're the most archaic ones. They're the ones that uh, look the oldest. They look they're huge. There is a lot of massive pyramids all around that area. Um it's was qu- quite phenomenal, actually. I was blown away to see that there actually is you know pyramids around Chile, and then I started thinking, oh, did that where they tested you know their theories out, or is that where they were kind of practicing to see if they could make an atmosphere through the um alchemy of mercury um somehow under certain pressures and waters and stuff. When you add gold, you're getting the gold, the kind of mercury and gold. And then you add the iodide, which would be the salt baths and stuff because salt and iodide, you know, everyone knows iodide salt and stuff. And then, and then basically the iodide and the, and then having a certain type of um, chemical combination of iodide, then it evaporates the gold. And then, what happens when you evaporate the gold, it would then kind of trickle into something, you know, that could possibly, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if it's neutrinos that stems from vaporized gold. I don't know if there was a way that they controlled the vaporized gold, but they may have directed it into the atmosphere. And um, I started thinking, I'm like, oh my God, it's literally, when you look at the, the, the middle of a pyramid, like when a pyramid is cut in half, it literally looks like an alchemy chamber alchemy is very real alchemy is something like turning um basically turning uh, a liquid or a material that is like lead and turning it into gold so i started thinking oh my god were the pyramids made to make gold could be a possibility they could have been alchemy chambers that turned uh mercury and stuff and they made gold with it because maybe they needed gold to replenish or did it all happen replenish the atmosphere or did it all happen all at once Was because, and then I started researching where the pyramids, um, is mercury and the pyramids tied together? Well, most of the pyramids in the world were actually built upon mercury deposits. And I was like, huh, that's kind of fascinating that most of the pyramids in the world were, uh, built on mercury deposits. I'll actually, um, try to find the note that I wrote about that because that's what was, that's what I was like. Oh my God this is insane and then I started researching what were the pyramids made out of and um, it was uh, limestone mainly um, so basically um, does gold occur in limestone is what I asked I said is does gold occur in limestone it says the gold is found in small quartz veins that are concentrated in large fissure zones of the shattered and altered rock in a few areas gold occurs in high grade replacement deposits in limestone. And then I started saying, "Okay, will mercury dissolve um, gold?" And then it says, "Gold dissolves in mercury, similar to the way salt dissolves in water. Minerals submerge their their ore. Oh, miners, sorry, miners submerge uh, submerge their ore into mercury, which would take the gold, but not the other impurities. The mixture of the mercury and gold would then be." recollected and heated under uh mercury to uh, until the mercury boiled basically and then it's it, it was kind of weird and then i started being like oh my god this is insane and then um let me try to find the part where i uh this is just all my notes and then i have a lot a lot of notes um and then uh basically i was i was researching and then um basically one of the chemicals that don't react with mercury that mercury can actually withstand is like literally limestone. So I'm like, Oh my God. So the pyramids were built out of limestone. Then they were built on top of mercury deposits. Mercury doesn't, um, doesn't react with limestone. Like it it can hold it. And then basically once the mercury, then you look in how a pyramid is split in half. You look at the picture and it's almost like it's pressurized. Like the pyramid is, Legitly pressurized and I was like that's insane, you know, and then it's made out of mercury It's made of limestone which can hold mercury and then there's you know There's a little cavity inside that it I remember reading something years ago when I was watching a documentary on pyramids They said there's all these like things that are like battery acids and stuff and um, well there's iodine and the iodine, um the iodine baths so would have been like some type of a solution that was, uh, kind of like an iodine bath and, uh, they would have put the gold in it and I believe they would have vaporized it. And then they would have somehow directed that energy, um, through the atmosphere and basically made atmospheric conditions. This is just a hypothesis, by the way, this is just an opinion. Doesn't mean it's fact or fi- or, or fictional. It's just hypotheses. It's just something that I could, could very well be a thing. You know what I mean? That, um, and then I started thinking deeper. Started thinking deeper and deeper and deeper, and I'm started thinking, okay, well, if all this stuff kind of inter interacts with each other, and you know, they all kind of all these chemicals kind of flow, and then there's the the pyramids in Chile, and that's the closest to the I- the biggest iodine um, deposits, and that iodine could you know evaporate gold, and it's like where they would have tested everything out. Um, that's where the also the oldest man human was ever found Uh, 7000 BC is what this human was found and it was actually found in Chile so I was thinking oh my god that's where that's like it sounds like that's where humans were created you know sounds like that's where they kind of did the labs of humans and made the different tribes and all that stuff because when you read the Bible it actually talks about certain things, and it's like, okay, you can kind of put the pieces together now. Science has proven itself that you actually can put the pieces together for yourself. So basically, with all this, you know, all this uh, said and done, it seems here's my here's my here's my philosophy, and here's my here's my opinion on this. Okay. So basically, what happened was. Back in the, in the times where there was dinosaurs, the world was at least like triple the size that it was. Maybe even four times the size that it was. And an asteroid came. There was big giants of people. There was massive people. They say they find these skeletons all over the place and they're like, oh my god, like where are these, you know, these massive skeletons? And then all of a sudden, you know, you don't hear about it anymore. But they find these massive skeletons all over the place. And I don't know if it's fact or fiction, but it seems like it kind of it makes sense. And then they they have cave drawings of humans riding dinosaurs. Well, what if those humans were the Anunnaki that once lived on a planet that was so big That humans were actually naturally bigger because when you go to a planet, like if we went to a massive planet like the size of Jupiter, I think a thousand Earths can fit into Jupiter, we would be like ants there, man. We would be tiny little ants. So if the world was three times the size that it is today, we would have been like little rats. We would be considered literally pests of that world. We would have been the mammals and like insects almost is what we would have been. And basically, when you think of that and put that into play it's like the the dinosaurs and stuff were like the meat source for the Anunnaki, which would have been the giants that once were the humans of this world and it, and it kind of is funny because in the Bible it says we were made in the image of God, and then the giants of this world would have been what we looked like and then but my philosophy is is that what if a massive asteroid came they couldn't do nothing about it which was huge and it fucking divided the the planet like it, it it fucking hit the planet and it and you know it shot it into a bunch of pieces the moon wasn't big enough to lose um, to fly away from earth one piece of earth could have been mars and the other piece could have been mercury and venus that's how big of a planet we probably were at one point because when you do the the mathematical equation to like the, you know, when you factor in gravity and you factor in what an atmosphere and how dense it would be and there's, you know, the, the higher up you go, the denser it gets. No, oh, no, the lower you go, the denser it gets and then the higher up it gets lighter and lighter and lighter and then, you know, you got your atmosphere, then it covers the planet and then you kind of, you know, your, all your different categories of atmosphere. So what if that... um the planet was so big that humans were just naturally way bigger and the dinosaurs were essentially what animals would be like to us today. So when there's cave drawings of, of humans, you know, riding dinosaurs, it would have been us, the Neanderthal, okay? It would have been us, the Neanderthal, the cave people, which we would have been drawing pictures of the giants, the Anunnaki, and it would have been us trying to. That's why we were cave people because we were literally running away. We lived in the ground. We lived like mice. Okay, we were the mice. And then basically, what happened was after the asteroid hit, I think Mars is part of as uh, part of Earth. I know I know it sounds crazy, but Mars could have one time been part of Earth. The moon was too small to gravitate away from Earth, and Venus would have flew in the other direction because the asteroid came hit and made our massive planet into a small planet. Well, when you look at those Venus, Mars, Earth, the moon, like Mercury's a tiny little planet. It could have been a moon at one point. I don't know. But when you look at the, the factor of this, Earth is the biggest planet. So if you had some remainder Anunnaki left, and they're like, we can't live on this Earth because the atmosphere is way, way too thick Because or way too light because our heads are way high up, they would have been massive walking around and they would have had to stay in the lowest point of earth to even live. So they would have, they would have, you know, had advanced technology at that point. They would have been very mathematically inclined. They would have been very intuitive. They would have been intelligent. Like we one day will be. And they mastered alchemy. And when I say mastering alchemy, I mean, turning mercury or whatever substance and turning it into gold and basically having the pyramids, as little alchemy huts that they made the atmosphere out of. So basically, you know, I don't know if it was like the mercury, they had a gold and put it in iodine baths and then it vaporized. And then they kind of basically terraformed our planet to make it have an atmosphere again, because our, our atmosphere would have been destroyed from the, from the, whatever asteroid came in it. And then all those pyramids would have been basically their way of terraforming earth to harvest life because that would have been the biggest planet out of Mars and Venus and earth. And obviously the moon's tinier, you know, but, but you know what I mean? And that's, that's what the Anunnaki would have been. They would have went with the the best situation to harvest life. Well, earth kind of stayed in that limbo where life was. I think it might've been, a little bit closer instead of further away from the sun, it would have been more jungle. Like the, we already have proof that the, the T-Rexes and, and all the different dinosaurs and stuff and all the stuff that we found and fossils and stuff, we actually have proof that that was a really dense jungle. And that's what the atmosphere would have been like. So we would have been these tiny little, um, basically mole people that lived in, in the caves. And this is just, a, this is just hypotheses. And this is just my opinion. Just a, just a perspective, but what if that one day we go to Mars and we're like, oh, my God, this this is fucking Earth. This is a piece of Earth there. What, what, what if one day we go to the moon and we find you know, fucking relics and shit? And then Venus, I don't think it's it, we can even go because it's just all acids and shit. But if we build AI, that's why building artificial intelligent robots would be amazing for the humans because we could travel to all these planets, travel light years, and not actually have to move because our... Our DNA won't let us go into the universe due to uh, radiation. So I believe that the the you know like the the suns and stuff they're so radioactive that our skin and we just fry. Like obviously we can like you look at all the all the um, space stations and stuff. Like they're in the they're still in the atmosphere. They're actually not leaving the atmosphere because if they leave the atmosphere, the radiation is just it's just it's just poison at that point. So basically, I believe that the Anunnaki kind of were like, okay, we're going to die off. We have to make our bloodline, which was what humans would do. You know, if we were, if we lost, you know, three quarters of our planet, you know, to an, a massive asteroid and there was some humans left and we had advanced technologies, we would terraform the planet again and splice us with, you know, something like a little, a little mouse and then you know, cause there already is mouse, but there already was the K people. they essentially were like mouse apes type thing, but there were little tiny things that were the size of the mouse to these Anunnaki. Maybe, maybe the, the spectrum would have been a little bit different. They might not have been that small, but you know, they would have been like rodents and then, but you know, and then so that's what Neanderthals would have been like little rodents. And then basically they, um, they spliced their genes and that's why there's a gap because, the Neanderthals did exist, but the the gap is is that the Anunnaki place, their genes into us, terraformed our planet again, so we could have an atmosphere again. And then that's how they did it. it. they've built a bunch of these alchemy pods all over the place, and that's how they terraformed Earth. And that's what I believe has happened. And that's my opinion. And that's what has happened when I researched all this and you know started gathering you know all the processes of of the pyramids and and stuff. And it's like yeah, they were legit terraforming pods that was basically replenishing our atmosphere because our atmosphere was still there, but there was a massive hole in it. So it was like climate change happened over in a second. You know what I mean? Like the, the earth did parts of it did blow off, but there was parts that still existed. And that's why us, the Neanderthal actually lived on. Okay. That's why we lived on because we were cave people. So we just lived in the caves. You know, we were just chilling in the caves while this planet was basically a lake of fire. You know what I mean? And so that's kind of what we did. And then I don't know if the Anunnaki is like some people say it's the Nephilim planet and, you know, it's circling and it comes in and they, they want gold and stuff. Maybe it could be a different theory. Maybe, you know, the planet was always kind of like this and maybe just the moon was a part of us. But maybe the Anunnaki come in here and, you know, they basically have these alchemy pods, which are our pyramids, and they make gold from the Milky Way deposits that once were there. And they just were making gold and doing alchemy and making gold out of nothing because they wanted to use the gold for their atmosphere that is flying through our solar systems and solar systems altogether but i don't know about that that seems a little bit far-fetched but the realistic thing is it seems like what i said and what i've been talking about this whole time it seems like kind of that's what may have happened that's what uh in chile were you know you see all these little pyramids and stuff maybe they were making us there you know they were you know repairing uh, underneath all of these pyramids. Maybe they were repairing the atmosphere that this massive asteroid has des- destroyed us. They destroyed the atmosphere. So every time something punches through it, it's you know, weakening the atmosphere essentially, because it's kind of an existing, non-existing thing, but it exists. It's in a component of, of this planet. And that's what harbors our life. And that's what gives us the ability to not wreak havoc over from radiation, you know, from the sun. Cause the atmosphere basically weakens it. It's like a big soft box and a photographer's point of view. So basically, that's uh, what I'm talking about today, folks. This is Photonics Photo. You know, if you don't know, now you know. Remember, this was just a theory. Hypotheses. Ciao.